You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to www.3cr.org.au. 3CR would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations, true owners, caretakers and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. We recognise their unceded sovereignty and pay respect to elders past, present and emerging. Yes, that is the unmistakable sound of Zach LaRocca and Rage Against the Machine with Bulls on Parade. You are listening to Uprise Radio on 3CR 855 on your AM dial. It's the first Wednesday of the month, which means it's time for our show. And I'm joined, as usual, still in isolation. James, my co-host, how are you? I'm good. Then Rage Against the Machine, another uh, cancellation or postponement of the um Hey, James, I have to stop you. It's totally, I can't understand a word you're saying. We're going to have to come up with a better solution. I'm sorry. Maybe we'll try Skype. Matilda, have you got 10 minutes? I'm so sorry about this. No, that's okay. I've got time. I I couldn't make out anything James was saying either. So, um... Like, I'm just in the office here, like, tapping away, doing stuff. So, you can, whenever you work it out, um, just give me a buzz. That's fine. Okay. Thank you so much. Sorry, James. It's just totally, like, you can't hear a thing you're saying, okay? So, I'm just going to, um, I'm just going to find another solution. I'll let you both go. Thank you. Cool. No worries. Okay. So, I'm joined once again, still in isolation, by my co-host, James. James, how are you? I'm good. It's- um, we're, this is coming out April Fool's Day. Ah, it is April. It's strange to think that it is April Fool's Day, but simultaneously it isn't as this is a pre-recorded episode. Are you fooling me right now? Illusions. You're not fooling me right now? Because I can't count that we'll far ahead. Know, I guess. No, we'll never know. <laughs> well, we will on the day it goes to air, and I'll be like, damn it. Anyway, it's a, we were joking, but we, we do have a reasonably serious topic today. We are talking about the ever-present threat of huge investment and, you know, betting on the factor of war in the future. And later, we're going to be joined, uh, in not very long at all, by uh, Matilda Byrne, who is um, a, the communications manager with an organization called Safe Ground, uh, which started off looking at unexploded ordnance and things like that, but, you know, look at reducing arms and weaponry around the world. And I think she's running a forum on automated or autonomous weapons, which we, we've spoken about AI on the program before, James, but maybe not in this framework. Yeah, and I think um, going uh, on from our last show, when we were talking about some of the 
implementations that have been brought about because of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic as well. And I guess something that, you know, people like us and others would certainly raise alarm about in the past, uh, control, you know, measures around uh, police police powers and, you know, controlling groups and shutting down protests and all things like that. It is interesting to continue to look still at how, you know, how this space is being controlled. I think it's not just necessarily in, you know, war zones and uh, conflict, but, you know, it can be in, within the police force and things as well. They're uh, more and more using military equipment and military tactics in everyday police force as well. Yeah, there certainly has been videos going around since kind of mid-Feb is my memory of unmanned drones, you know, which are a form of automated weaponry or automated security forces um, kind of advising residents in in Wuhan and uh, Hubei province in China where, where the outbreak initiated to return to their homes or, you know, you know, monitoring them on the streets. And I think, you know, we've definitely seen, you know, we, we've seen, historically in the last kind of 20 years since September 11 but of course it's ramped up the hardening of international borders uh, you know we've seen massive travel bans in a lot of countries um, there's a hardening of borders between east and west you know with regular western scapegoats from a strategic perspective China and Iran very much in the crosshairs for you know our li- limiting you know beyond the economic sanctions that Iran's already under but you know really limiting movement between those countries of both people and produce at times as well, you know, which is obviously creates massive problems for people wanting to seek treatment if they can't get access to vaccines or or adequate medicines and things. So you you just worry about the kind of, because of this crisis, this ongoing crisis, and we mentioned this last episode as well, this kind of normalization of the militarization of public space and the deployment of states of emergency. I think one of the other things which concerns me, and I will bring in, you know, like to bring in some lighter humour as well to the show, but is things about our reliance on certain aspects of technology as well. And over the last few years, particularly ramped up around Christmas time, we see this real drive to have, um, you know, Google and Amazon devices in people's homes to control mm. all of the devices. And actually, um, as a you know, with the my kids um, the other week, we were watching the film Batman Forever. I think it is, mm-hmm. in nineteen ninety five. Jim Carrey, Val Kilmer, I remember it well. Yes, and the Riddler, um, the thing he used is he got this device into everybody's home, which sat on near the TV and sucked all of their brainwaves in there to make him smarter. And I was watching this, just thinking. This is exactly, well, I certainly, I don't know who it's making smarter, um, but it, it's the it's exact same kind of, you know, premise, really. It's getting everybody's preferences and ideas about what they like and sucking them into uh, products that then can be, you know, targeted for advertising and things like that. But it also has a sinister element even beyond that, I think, in terms of how those things can be used for tracking and, you know, within a kind of more military framework and even, um, you know, countering, I guess, hacking and things like that as well. Yeah, it is frightening. I mean, the new season of Westworld has premiered recently and that opens with a kind of 2001 Space Odyssey type situation where a person's all-pervasive AI security system is used against the person in that house, you know, through an external uh, robot hacking into it and taking it over. And I think this is a, a bit of a 
consistent nightmare of, of, of modern humanity, but, but the possibility of it being deployed uh, is becoming realer and realer. And I think that's a good uh, opportunity there to, um, to bring in our guest for this week, uh, who is Matilda Byrne from Safe Ground. And Matilda, thank you so much for coming on Uprise Radio today. Thank you so much for having me on the program. Now, you have been planning, unfortunately, due to the huge looming coronavirus crisis, uh, it's had to be cancelled, but you were planning a public forum about autonomous war machines. Can you tell us a bit about what an autonomous autonomous war machine is? Yeah, sure. So um, basically, um, autonomous weapons is quite a broad sort of spectrum of basically weapon systems that are using AI, so artificial intelligence. Um, and particularly the forum, we were uh, going to highlight the risks of fully autonomous weapons. So when we say fully autonomous, what this means is essentially the kill decision is done without any human control. So the um, selecting of the human target, identifying them, and then the decision to use lethal force, so to attack, um, is all done by the machine without any sort of human oversight or ability for intervention, etc. And why do you think right now, you know, you're planning this forum, I think it will go ahead online. Why do you think it's really important at this juncture to start to educate the public about the possibility of these types of deployments? Um, so there's a few different reasons. I think one is that um, it's just not an issue that is really on people's radar and it is something that's imminent. So there's nobody, uh, to our knowledge, uh, that's fully developed or deploying these weapons as yet. But we're only a few steps away from that. And particularly within an Australian context, we know uh, defence is uh, kind of constantly throwing money at more and more innovation with AI in weaponry. Um, and it's sort of amid this climate where a lot of countries are calling for a ban on these weapons. Um, mm. And Australia is one of the very few that is actually holding back pro- uh, progress in that regard. So these should be requests through the UN? That's right, yeah. So there's been talks at the UN actually as early as 2014 on um, the idea of like emerging robotic warfare and how this could be, um, there's lots of risks and concerns associated with it. Um, and specifically, um, they've been looking at sort of what they call lethal autonomous weapon systems, but these idea of autonomous weapons, fully autonomous weapons, uh, and trying to move the discussion forward and get agreement among countries around sort of definitions and things so that there would hopefully be a mandate uh, to negotiate a new treaty. The mm. reason why this sort of doesn't happen is in the international community, anything like that requires consensus for so every single country that's in the room saying, yes, we want to go forward. And of course, we have big powers like Russia and the US, and in this case, also Australia, uh, sort of stopping that from happening. Yeah, it's always really disappointing when Australia is one of the voices stopping, um, you know, policy being developed that will protect people in the future. Can you tell me a little bit, Matilda, this idea of the machine or the AI system making a decision about the deployment of lethal force, what type of calculations will the machine be basing that decision on? So um, you ask a really fantastic question there, which is really um, the crux of why these um, weapon systems are such a big issue, because the sort of decisions it's making, the sort of information it would need to gather in warfare isn't something that can be numerated in a quantifiable way, which is what AI requires um, to sort of go into its algorithms. So it's sort of in, it's kind of quite ludicrous, really, to suggest that a weapon is able to weigh up the 
uh, you know, strategic advantage of any given strike with any collateral damage, it like it foresees being possible. Um, their calculations that are required under international humanitarian law and that you know defence personnel are trained to make and that simply cannot be put within a um, a weapon system or an AI sort of software program. Yeah, I, I think. Oh, so, sorry, James. Did you have a question there? Yeah, I was going to say, uh, we saw on the ABC earlier this week the Support Corners program showing an Australian SAS soldier um, essentially executing uh, unarmed um, Afghanistan men in Afghanistan. Is it, I mean, I think some of the um, proponents of these kind of weapons would say, you know, perhaps that could stop, um, you know, incidents like that where, I mean, on the one hand, I must say that, you know, it, it takes a human to be able to pull the trigger, but... Yeah, we do see, you know, war crimes committed by these very same soldiers. Yeah, um, so I think um, that is definitely um, a point that does get made, um, and that taking the emotion out of these situations might mean, you know, that um, soldiers won't get tired, they won't make poor decisions and things like this. But what we really know to be true from experience is that it's sort of like human compassion and those sorts of things that actually prevent... Um, wars for escalating and things. So as much as there's really um, kind of awful examples that come out of Afghanistan, there's also things where, for instance, there's been um, uh, sort of um, combatants from the US, for example, who um, there's a party of sort of uh, soldiers coming past with a coffin. Um, and so they were obviously putting someone, um, you know, conducting a funeral. And so in this case, you know, soldiers decided not to fire. Um, but when you have a weapon that sees a person carrying a gun, this is like a clear indicator in their targeting system that that is a combatant and that would be a, a lawful target. Um, mm. So it's also things like human constraints as well stopping um, the escalation of war when they see something that looks like it is incorrect. Um, like we saw with our sort of nuclear weapons the one time we came quite close to the sort of brink of nuclear war, a human intervened and saw that that was actually a machine error occurring. Um, so taking that out of the equation is also uh, causing a potential great risk. That's right. And for all of us that work with computers and computer systems every day, we know that even though they are profoundly logical, they do seem to make some strange choices and flaws and errors regularly enough. Uh, I also think that you know this, this idea of distancing um, people from the, the horrors of war. I remember hearing a drone pilot interviewed and she was saying that just the sheer scale of violence that she was responsible for from behind a desk really haunted her and, you know, the kind of ease with which that violence was delivered, the distance between the victim and the perpetrator just creates a whole new range of ethical dilemmas for uh, the people that are involved in, in this type of warfare. Yeah, for sure. And I guess I would have, like, two kind of points to speak to on that. The first is that um, with this instance of using um, sort of fully autonomous weapons, there's no human at all making the decision, um, which is really a huge affront to human rights when you think about the, the right to life and the value of life, which a machine can't sort of appreciate um, in any way when it decides to take life. Um, but the other... Um, actually, I think you were mentioning just earlier about um, internal policing, and so you said about sort of the easiness of sort of making decisions behind a desk almost. Um, and so if you have, say, this kind of uh, weaponry in the hands of a dictator, it's very easy to program a machine to say, this is my, you know, target um, parameters, go out and find these people or all of the people in this public square that are demonstrating. 
uh, and you don't need soldiers to then carry out those demands. You just send your machines that have no conscience. Uh, and so in terms of uh, internal policing and the risk of them being a sort of tool of oppression, it's also very concerning. Yeah, it is. I mean, I wonder, um, if you could talk about the role that Pine Gap um, would play in Australia's role in, you know, these kind of autonomous weaponry systems. Um, I'm actually not sure uh, to what extent the sort of Pine Gap and the technological capability we have there would or wouldn't be related to autonomy. I guess it would make sense um, to put sort of a lot of the um, sort of transmitting uh, things there as you already have a lot of that kind of software. I can't say whether or not that's going on. I'm actually not too sure. But obviously we do need ways to sort of communicate between any unmanned vehicles or aircraft currently that are you know, sending out. Um, and that could also be the same uh, with our fully autonomous weapons systems having that sort of connection. Mm. Um, yeah. Look, I might just play a couple of announcements and when we come back, maybe we could talk a little bit about how this sector is trying to be developed in Australia and the kind of investment that we're seeing and also about the guests that you've got lined up for the public forum. But just stay tuned. You are listening to Uprise Radio on 3CR. Hi, I'm Jacob from a Friday Rave and I'm also on 3CR's Committee of Management. Now, the community of passionate people that founded 3CR a long time ago made some tough decisions. For a start, they committed themselves and a growing community of listeners to back their vision of owning our station and in doing so, remaining independent of the government and corporate influence. They did this by fundraising, brick by brick, with working bees, door knocks, on-air drives and all the rest of it, you've all been there. Now their commitment has kept 3CR on air for over 40 years. That's a long time even in my life. But now we need your commitment to keep this great thing going. Now you can subscribe online at 3cr.org.au or phone us at the station on 94198377 or even stop me on the bloody street if you see me at some rally or other and ask me for a membership form. You need to become a member of Melbourne Radical Radio and subscribe. To help stop the spread of viruses like flu and coronavirus, good hygiene is essential. That starts with washing your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds whenever you cough, sneeze or blow your nose. Prepare food or eat. Care for someone sick, touch your face or use the toilet. Together, we can help stop the spread and stay healthy. Visit health.gov.au to learn more. Authorised by the Australian Government, Canberra. A 3CR supporter. 3CR is about community and we welcome your participation at the station. 3CR is open to a wide diversity of volunteers and is a great way to connect with Melbourne's activist community. Have you ever thought about volunteering? Doing a reception shift? Getting a program on air? Training in radio skills or contributing to one of the station's committees? There are many ways to be involved at 3CR. To find out more, go to 3cr.org.au and get in touch. Yes, you are tuned in to 3CR. This is Uprise Radio. My name is Jackson and I'm here with James, my co-host, and Matilda, who's from Safe Ground and currently organising a forum on autonomous 
weapon systems. So just before we go on, I just yeah. wanted to say, um, just for 3CR and certainly other campaign and you know community groups that are around our networks, I think it's a really important time if you can you know throw a few dollars or you know some time they might have you know even to call people or things like that. It's a really good time to try to reach out to some of those organisations and give them some support because it's going to be a difficult time for a lot of people. That's very true, true, James, and a good point. I mean, that's a, that's a thing worth touching on. I mean, we hear constantly from government, Matilda, about the need to invest in STEM, you know, science, technology, engineering, and maths. Uh, and then we hear from, you know, former Defence Minister Christopher Pine that Australia wants to be one of the biggest small arms dealers in the world. I mean, how do you think it's constantly justified the millions spent on war and war making when we have a public health crisis going on right now that desperately needs support? How do you think that the, the powers that be just consistently make these arguments for more weapons, more weaponization. Yeah, look, I mean, I am uh, equally sort of, I suppose, confused and dismayed about it as sort of you are, I think. Um, I think the um, trend and how much we are prepared to put in defence spending, especially in a time where you could argue we are at sort of peace or not in sort of, I mean, I know we are present in different... Mm places throughout the Middle East and things, but it's, we're not preparing for invasion. Um, and you would think we are with the amount of money that we put towards these sorts of different weapons, um, especially when you counter that with the amount of sort of funding that goes into, for example, the development of science for social good and into sort of, um, you know, other really important uses and things that we could be making great breakthroughs in instead. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, the people coming on to your forum, I, I know that one of them, I think, um, is it Joe Silver, is involved in, um, or Elizabeth Silver, sorry, Lizzie Silver, she's involved in looking at the ways AI can be used to improve society or improve organisations. Yeah, that's right. So Lizzie Silver is a data scientist, um, and so basically she has expertise in various like technical functions of AI and sort of ob object detection, predictive modelling. But the sort of projects that she works on is anything from medicine, energy, education, psychology, and applying AI to solve problems that they encounter or to enhance performance and the ability to um, yeah do things in a whole host of different projects. So. Like, wh why do you think so much is being devoted towards this type of AI? You know, like, what, what, if there are all these other applications, I mean, how do you think someone like Lizzie is feeling about this focus on, you know, AI for war? I mean, I think, I mean, I can't speak for kind of all tech workers, but I know a lot that are sort of, you know, would love funding to be able to do some really incredible things with the world, but the sort of sad reality of the military-industrial complex is that funds get put into defence and we know that they're very proud to sort of announce, you know, earlier this year, just in January, defence announced a $40 million um, sort of partnership with Boeing to develop an autonomous fighter jet. Um, and, you know, that's after already other investments of, you know, huge amounts of money into having um, autonomy in weapons explored. Autonomous fighter jet. Sorry, go ahead, James. Oh, I think, you know, there's also, I guess, the issue of university uh, partnerships with, you know, Boeing and Lockheed Martin and companies like this. 
and uh-huh. you know the real kind of campaign needed um, that you know people have been trying to do the work for. But I think that you know a lot of students don't really understand what the issue is, and I think the universities are still you know not willing to not accept that money, and because we still have this idea that growing that university institution, which you know I think there should be something that is about education, not you know certainly not making partnerships with arms companies. For sure, I think um, the partnerships between you know um, arms manufacturers in general and universities is super problematic. And on this issue particularly, we know that there's a lot of research being done in partnership with Trusted Autonomous Systems, in particular, a defence cooperative research centre. So that's pairing defence with uni- uh, universities and arms manufacturers. Um, and so it was actually, and it's not just happening in Australia, it's quite global, starting an effort to really try to educate students and academics within universities and be aware that their universities are actually contributing to this and looking at how, you know, ethics boards or universities or faculties might be able to make policies that their lab doesn't uh, contribute to these uh, sort of endeavours which do cross, you know, moral red lines that Mm. threaten international humanitarian law and these kinds of things because I think part of it is also just the lack of awareness among the communities at the universities that this actually goes on within their universities unless they are directly involved in the activity. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of obfuscation from the university and the military-industrial companies in question to kind of wrap up what is research into, as you say, new weapons, new ways of harming people in other kind of, you know, more fluffy language, you know. So there's always this distance between what's being researched and what, you know, young graduates feel like they're, you know, they're getting this dream job to continue researching some communication technology when really it's going to be deployed in this way. I think you're so right. It's so important to... To resist that collaboration at each level of the university. Yeah, definitely. So, with our Safe Ground and the Forum on Killer Robots, what are your aims for the coming year for Safe Ground and the anti kind of military movement more generally? Yeah, so I think um, so the campaign to stop Killer Robots specifically, um, which Safe Ground is sort of managing, but a lot of other sort of organisations are involved with. Part of it is just um, getting more education and awareness of the issue in public in various circles. That's like the tech community, universities, in the sort of uh, peace sector as well. Also continuing to have sort of discussions with politicians and getting it uh, on the radar of parliament so that the government position doesn't go unscrutinised. Um, and then... Yeah, I think our safe ground as a whole, we have a few different projects going on where we still look at the impacts of explosive remnants of war um, and are moving also into a sort of climate change direction where um, climate forced migration is a huge issue that is also imminent and a really big threat to the ability of people to be having safe livelihoods um, that we'll be sort of working more on and getting awareness out around that. And I know that the plan is to move the forum online. Is there anywhere that people can go to keep an eye out for details of the upcoming discussion? Yes, for sure. So um, we have um, ban underscore kr underscore aus. So ban underscore kr killer robots underscore aus is our handle for um, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, So it's likely that updates We'll go on Twitter or we'll probably both of them. And at this stage, it looks like that's where... Uh, on the Instagram account is where the um, that forum or that panel discussion will be available. 
Oh, fantastic. So that's ban underscore KR underscore AUS, ban killer robots Oz on Instagram and Twitter for people who want some more details. Matilda, thanks so much for talking to Uprise Radio today. Really appreciate it. And same to you, James. Despite our few technical difficulties, I think we got it all together. So thanks very much. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much for the conversation. All right, I'm going to go out. Sorry, James, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying thank you. Thank you. I I guess as well, people um, can check out safeground.org.au to find out more about um, the organization and if they want support or get involved there as well. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Uh, I'm just going to go out with a song by Malatu Astake. It's called Tezeta, and we'll see you, or we will talk to you and uh, be with you in a fortnight's time. Thanks very much for tuning in. listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.